Hola, and welcome to episode 34 of Word to Your Mama. If you're new here, let me explain a little bit. Word to Your Mama is a podcast about a Latinx mama navigating business life while building her tribe. There will be special guests, mad laughs, and absolutely no BS. Even though there is a segment by the Supernatural Bear who's 8 going on 48, there this will most of the time be explicit. Can be explicit. Please believe it. Today we have Junior Francis. He's a Jam- Jamaican veteran radio host and MC. I've known this amazing living legend since the 90s during the Reggae Nucleus magazine times. Um, We talk about that. And it was great to talk to him today to get uh, some of his history. And he's, since Jump has been on a mission to promote Jamaican music, um, reggae and ska. And we get to learn about his journey from the mountains of Jamaica to New York and then to uh, where he's been for a long time, California. I'll have links to all the shows that he hosts, that he's some of them since the 80s, and also a new project, The History of L.A. Ska, um, to their YouTube channel and all their socials and everything like that. But... Um, you know, I th- he said he doesn't listen to his stuff, so he's not going to listen to this. But if someone listens to this, please remind him that he's a gift. He's definitely a gift. Uh, he's a rare gift that we are very lucky to have. And I'm very fortunate enough to know. So let's get into Junior Francis. And then after that, make sure you stay tuned for the Supernatural Bear Corner where he's going to talk about how important reggae music has been in his life, in his short eight years of life. Um, but yeah, let, let's get into Junior. Uh, oh, that's that's Instagram Live, huh? When you and Kohler do the... Yeah, and he does all the um, mechanical the work. <laughs> oh, yes. <got> it. <laughs> <laughs> junior thank you so much for taking the time out um i wasn't sure if you would do it if you would do it join me honor me with your presence but i asked kohler first and uh he's like i think so and i was like yeah let me ask him your majesty i want to thank you for the invitation i'm not sure how i could say no (laughs) (laughs) you're the best you're the you're the best junior so much respect so much respect uh for you being here today. I just wanted to start off. How how are you doing? I mean, I know you guys been busy, uh, but how mm. have you been personally, uh, mm. mentally, spiritually during this crazy, you know, the past year that we've all had? Well, I started a suicide prevention organization oh. during the pandemic. It's a joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, Junior. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um beyond frightening. I think if I wasn't active, you know, with what I'm doing with EK and doing the radio, I really I don't think I could make it because I'm used to being so active. I'm made very active, you know, all these years, you know. Yeah. And then yes. all of a sudden. So the adjustment was pretty difficult, but also uh 
first and foremost is staying alive. Yes. So once you put things in perspective, you realize that, you know, you need to lock down and not go anywhere unless it's absolutely necessary. Yes. So yes. mentally and spiritually, you find ways to survive. You know, I think of people in prison. Yeah. You know, and they survive. Yeah. Uh, and Nelson Mandela is a good inspiration. You know, he was in jail for years. Yeah. And 30. even the warders would come and talk to him about their problem, not realizing that he's in jail and they're in the free world, so to speak, unquote, free world, yeah. right? Uh, so it's mental, very important to very, focus yeah. mentally. Um, how about well, yourself? I've been, you know, it's been a, a whirlwind, a roller coaster, but I feel the <clears> same <throat> way. I feel like if I wasn't, you know, you know, too, the, the music industry, the live events, live music took a big hit and it affects. Oh, yeah. My husband and I significantly, the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the good thing was that we've all been working for ourselves forever. So we're used to kind of going with the, you know, the tide mm-hmm. of things. This was a little bit extreme, <clears throat> but at least we had that. And I think for me, having being a mother and having a little one for me to focus myself on mm-hmm. and, and to try to make it as normal or as make him feel as safe and secure mm-hmm. as possible helped mm-hmm. ground me. And I know, I know for a fact, if I was living by myself in Silver Lake back in the days I, during this, I, I, it would be, a, it would be tough. It would be super tough, but that's why I made sure to check on, you know, my single friends and make sure that they were good. Um, but it was tough all around, you know, but we're on the other side of something, whatever this is. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Because a lot of people, you know, six feet under. Yes. So we're, but I'm, we're, I'm not even yes. sure if that is a bad thing, to be frank. So I, yeah. I still have question mark about that because most of us live mediocre life and I'm not sure if what. That's what it is. Most people would rather be around living mediocre life. You yeah. Know. And is that really living is the question, right? Well, not for me, it's, it's not. It, yeah, so it's for, not a question for me anymore. Either. Exactly. It's no, for, it's for people been, like us. I, I resigned that many years ago. It's not. Yeah, really. it's not. Exactly. Um, for mm. sure. I think that's what we all have in common with Kohler. Mm. When he when he says, uh, people that are listening, when he says EC, <clears> he's talking about um, episode two, Word to Your Mama Guest, Eric Kohler. Um, and and we'll we'll start right there. I was trying to remember how we met, and we definitely met through Reggae Nucleus. Mm-hmm. Eric Kohler was a co-founder. I remember, I remember the exact date. Well, not the date, but the time and place. Oh, really? It w- <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the jazz festival that Sean Kemper, right? Is that yes. his last name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he invited Kohler, and of course, Kohler you know, brought me along and you were also invited. I guess you guys knew each other. But also under the banner of uh, Reggae Nucleus, I got to know Cola. Uh, and so you came and you came with a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And probably. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, man, I said, yeah. And then I remember I said to, I think I can say this, you're on live television. I said, you know, Cola, this is one of the most gorgeous girls no. I've seen <laughs> since my arrival in California. Junior, you are too kind. You are too kind. Too oh, no, kind. no, no. I, I, those are my words to him. And I said it more than once. 
but thank you. That's that's uh, very flattering. I wow. appreciate that. Yeah, there was down there in Long Beach, the Blues Jazz Festival. I'm not sure the location. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. I think I was a mm. guitar girl or something. No, I, I mean it was a festival. Eric took me, and I met Sean as well. So oh, yeah. I couldn't go Sunday because I had a public affairs show. So I think we went to Saturday. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. Such a long time ago. Over, over 20 years ago, Junior. You're kidding. Yeah. yeah over tw- that was like, yeah, that was like, <laughs> what, the 90s? The oh, 90s? Yeah, it was the 90s for sure. For sure. When I was, I was still living in Long Beach, I was the 90s. When, mm. And I remember meeting you and... One thing that I will never forget is when you would go spin. And I, I wanted to ask you, it's been a while because of pandemic that you've gone <clears throat> and, and spun someplace live. But what I loved is that you had the white bucket. I used to call it the bucket of tunes and it was a bucket and it had, you had 45s, you have the yes. set in there and you just kill it. And I was just like, this, this is authentic. <laughs> this is genuine. I loved it. Create, ex- create excitement. <laughs> there was a whole idea to create. Because <laughs> other people, you know, the 45 collectors would come with their nice and neat little expensive box. And so I walk with a paint bucket. <laughs> yeah, a white paint bucket. Bucket all tunes. Amazing. It was the best. Was, the best. Yeah, thing. so I remember. So that must have been on one of those boulevards in, in the tail end of Hollywood. Yeah. 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 Eric, Amazing. I think we did something right. I think we did something there a couple of nights. Yeah. Great. I mean, yeah. just, you know, just you <laughs> emceeing any event, listening to your show, you know. I mean, the accent helps too, but there's an authenticity, that genuine vibe that you always have, no matter what. And all these. Also, let me just say this. You don't age. You look the same. <laughs> From the 90s that you look like the same. You don't age. Well, you'll be surprised. <laughs> what, what's the secret? <laughs> I, I'm struggling so hard trying to stay away from nursing home. So I've, I have age. <laughs> you look amazing. It's a struggle. You look it's a struggle amazing. Uh, um, so babies, um, genetics, uh, big genetics fat. Good. And then eating, eating. My eating yeah. habit is okay. Very little alcohol, no some cigarette. And meat, I have had meat before you were born. Uh, I stopped <laughs> eating fish since, uh, gosh, when you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we had that El Nino. So that was the last time I had fish. Maybe oh, once wow. after that. Wow. Remember El Nino, that big rain and it was, the, the, the ocean became very muddy. Yes. Because of the, you know, soil, soil erosion. And mm-hmm. I wanted to stop anyhow. I stopped eating eggs before the ninth, before the ninth, is that for sure? Wow. So mm-hmm. that, that's a secret. I don't know, but that's it my helps. lifestyle. It helps for sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> you're you're living proof. I see it. The genes and, and the lifestyle for sure. Um well, so when yeah. I was doing a little bit extra research, I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you, is it true that you, the reason why you spell your name is because that's the way they spelled it when you when you arrived at the in the United States. Yeah, just before my um, when I went to get my passport, so there were like three spellings. Um, my mom had one spelling, some a name she got from the Bible, mm. and my aunt who 
think she's an intellectual giant, said, oh, no, this is a spelling. <laughs> so has no I. And um, there was also my baptismal paper. So the, the guy at the um, birth certificate office was very helpful. He said, you're going to the States, and the only thing that the government is going to be concerned about is um, the spelling on your birth certificate. So stick with this one. Mm. Yeah, he's a, yeah, was an extremely clever guy. <laughs> yeah, he said, stick with this one. They don't care about your baptismal. They don't care about your school record because I went to school with J.U. and I.O.R. Because late 50s, early 60s, a lot of kids were junior, junior Mervyn, junior Biles, junior Reed. That was a hit name. People were mm. moving away from traditional names like Bob, Peter, Bunny, Matthew, Mark. So junior was very popular. So that's how I ended up with the I. But then when no, you got I here. is upset. Oh, yeah, got it, uh-huh, got it. right. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. And so what what um what was the town or the name of the city or the town that you were born in? Town, you're kidding, way up in the hills of Manchester. There's no electricity. Wow. Uh, way up in the hills. Um farm. But my parents were not extremely dirt poor. Because I was checking recently, my grandfather had five lap pieces of land. Most people didn't have their own land back then, so we were relatively oh. okay. My mom left for England. She went to Manchester just before my before my seventh birthday, I'm trying to remember, before my seventh birthday. And so I grew up with my grandparents. When I, I, was, I was sick once, I've been sick since I had kidney trouble. Some oh. trouble with my kidney. So doctor said I should drink. I remember vividly. Plenty of water, plenty of coconut water, plain rice without salt, and they should I shouldn't get beaten. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so boy was there, yeah, oh man. So <laughs> so I went to kindergarten, no no beating. No and beat. at home, none. No, but as I got older, my grandfather would hit, but he would. You know, he wouldn't hold you with one, yeah. two, three, four, and I'm your guard, right? <laughs> in school now, they practice corporal punishment. So there was beating in school. So I I love school like you love a fly on your dinner table <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> I just school whatever my thing. But I, I, uh, I went every day because education was important. My grandfather saw that as a way out. He was mm. self taught to a great extent so he figured if it's raining i said you know i'm trying to not go to school he'd say um, you know other kids are coming from far they left earlier because they live farther than you i bet they're they, they, they're wet but they'll survive whatever they do to stay dry keep on. because my mom wasn't there so i couldn't tell my mom yeah. i'm not going to school so he said if you don't turn out to be much of anything when you grow up it won't be my fault but you go to school yeah. And you find a way to stay, whatever the principal or the teacher is doing to the other kids for them to stay dry, you join that lab, but you're not staying in this house. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always in school. But yeah, it's not too fascinating. My, I have a brother, half brother, he went to Kingston. So that was really not funny since, yeah, Mr. Security when I started elementary school. Mm. He would look out for me, then he left, and my half sister as well. So that was also rough in school. But my brother, you know, he was around music, electricity, and Duke Max. I always wanted to go to Kingston. 
<laughs> so I, 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 I really despise living in the country. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you came to the States, how old were you when you came to the States? Or, and what made I, you come to the States? Well, my mom left England and she came to the States. So I didn't get to go to England, which is very good. I'd probably get lost in a shuffle there. So, so growing up in Jamaica, I think I found my identity. I grew up during the Black Power movement and the emergence of the Rasta movement. So I mm. knew myself when I came here. My port of entry was New York. I just, um, just before my 21st birthday, because if you turn 21, the U.S. government think you're old and should head off to nursing home. Yeah. So it, my mom did everything to get me in before I was 21. So New York, arrived in New York, culture shock. I bet. Oh, man, yeah. You know, all these tall buildings. No one says hello to you. No one knows you. <laughs> and I came in the fall. So by winter, people rushing home, you know, to get out of the cold, to do nothing but watch television. <laughs> <laughs> so I became a part of that culture. But over the years, reggae started growing. And I kind of like it. I, I had a cassette. So I cassette player started recording a couple of reggae shows. That, that really helped. Because growing mm. up in Jamaica, now music was my surrogate mother. Skian Rocksteady and then Reggae Evolved. My mom bought me a transistor. There was a guy who um, came from the States, he used to come and farm work. So seasonal. Mm. When the crops are over, back to Jamaica. And he went to town. Uh, so he was upstate and he went to uh, Manhattan. And he saw a transistor radio, so he bought one. It didn't need any electricity because we didn't have electricity back then. Few people had what you call transistor radio. Mm. When I saw that, I remember when my mom, before my mom left for England, she said, anything you want. She sees trying to bribe me. You know? <laughs> said, anything you want, you just, no, just let me know. So I'm thinking, well, in retrospect, what can a five-year-old, six-year-old child want? <laughs> a car? <laughs> so she could always say that. But she said, make sure you behave yourself, go to school, and anything you want. So I saw this guy with the radio. I wrote my mom right away said, I want a radio. So she went to, in Manchester, she said she didn't see any transistor. They have radios, but they have to, you know, work with electricity and no mm. transistor. So she said, I should go to Mandeville, which is my town, uh, 12 miles. So we went to Mandeville. My grandmother took me to Mandeville. And we went to the store. Uh, I remember Universal. And the guy said, yes, he got seven. Just came in. And they're all gone. Oh. He said he'd never seen anything like this. People just bought them and he had no battery, no nothing, but he reordered. So when the second batch come, the next batch comes. So I wrote my mom and my mom sent the money and I got transistors. So there were no two transistors in the entire district. Wow. So that allowed me to hear cricket, love cricket, sports, and music. Wow. Whenever. Right. So I really, that's when really my comfort supreme comfort came from music everything else was secondary and that's where it started that's where it started i'm gonna be on the radio yes man one day <laughs> so since then since you got that transistor radio you knew one day i will mm -hmm. be on the radio right mm -hmm. manifestation yeah, manifestation yeah mm -hmm. but, but i really have to work towards it so i, I kind of tailor my lifestyle around you know, try to avoid um, petty crime. Yes. Because you go to jail and you'll be on the radio, especially in Jamaica. Anything you get arrested for, you're, you're finished. 
So try avoid petty crime because uh, yeah, things got rough sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when my grandparents got older. And my mom think that, um, you know, I need to go join police force or I get a job. Police force. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, so she, so, you know, she would send me money, a couple of dollars now and then. I was down to like one pair of shoes. She say, yeah, you need to go work until you get your visa. <laughs> <laughs> so rough times, but yeah, avoided, avoided, um, you know, petty crimes and all those things. Because again, you want to keep your record straight. Yes, because you knew yes, you knew you were destined for greatness, for more. Yeah, I, I, you exaggerate, you know, but I, that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I thought of other things. So, you know, I had a great deal of love for Che Guevara and Fidel Castro because we were 90 miles from Cuba. And my next door neighbor was a politician, counselor. Mm. And he oh, he's always talking to me. I guess he perhaps realized maybe I wasn't a complete idiot. Or a moron. <laughs> so he, you know, he's always before I go to school, you know, because I'm usually up early in the morning, like five. So usually I have a 10 or 15 minutes we're talking. And then he would save the newspaper for me. So always talking about Castro and, you know, this great guy, because it was like about 10 years after the, um, yeah, about less than 10 years after the Cuban Revolution. But he's fascinated, even though he's a politician, but I would say a conservative politician. Mm. But he just had fascination for these guys who came out of the hill and liberated Cuba. We, he'd go on and on and on. So we talk about other stuff too. And then my grandfather, now he had a fascination for, I guess he would name the dogs after people who would define as terrorists. If we had a couple <laughs> of dogs. In, <laughs> and so I consider, I consider those uh, guys m- more conservative. But they were part of the more progressive party, which is the Manly Party, not as conservative as the Jamaica Labour Party. Mm. So that's the kind of the culture I grew up with. And then, you know, um, being exposed to that uh, thinking, you know, Castro is a great man. Che is a great man. Didn't know anything about Africa until a Rasta man now came from Kingston. Mm. And then... Again, he said, you know, all the people in the country, they're so backward. You can't have a conversation with them. I'm trying to think, hmm. They say, you know, we, um, we, we, whenever I'm going in the morning to look after the cow and the goat, you know, just knock on his door because his land was adjacent to our land. He tell me about great people like Kwame and Kroom. I never heard those names before, Kwame and Kroom, because the school books don't teach about them. Kwame and Kroom, Jomo Kenyatta. Nelson Mandela. I'm thinking, I said, wow, how do you know about this thing? But he knew on his own. I guess he used to study with the Rastas in Kingston. So Kingston kind of got hot. So he moved to the country and he figured he could plant his own weed in the country mm. and smoke a pound a day. He was really a heavy smoker. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he introduced me to weed smoking. I was about oh, 13. So you see, you start smoking weed and, you know, you become great like all those men in Africa. But you see, these guys, they drink rum. Rum don't get you anywhere. That's evil spirit. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the earliest introduction to weed and reggae and um, being, I guess, enlightened, enlightenment. I think I would call it enlightenment since I, when I arrived here, I didn't have much. I, had, I didn't have to worry about who I am. I already knew that. Yes. Listening to you know, 
reggae music and just happened to be in the right place at the right time listening to my neighbor. And that dread was the three influential people. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yes. w- with, you know, what I like having people on the show is because I like learning at another level about someone that I know, you know, like I don't might... have that those capabilities. So we you would never. <laughs> so we would like see each other at, you know, mm-hmm. a party or a function and we, you know, talk a little here, but I would probably never get these types of stories unless, you know what I mean? Unless specifically asked. So what usually happens on the pot on this show is that, you know, I talk a little bit and then I get into questions and comments from the audience, but because of your vast history, I'm going to go straight to the questions and comments from the audience, because I feel the questions and comments that I've received really kind of take us all around and cover so much. So I'm going to go to the mm-hmm. questions and comments from the audience. First, mm-hmm. he said, um, he says, sending love. Junior Francis is one of the most amazing spirits I have ever been blessed to meet. This is from Black Shakespeare. And his question is, um, what brought him here to California and how did he learn Spanish? <clears throat> All right. So the first question, what brought me here? I was in New York and I had reached a point where I, my, I did a number of jobs until my brother opened a record store in the um, early 80s mm. and asked me to run the store for him. And so while at the record store, I started meeting a lot of people. Even Peter Tash came by, Roots, oh, wow. Radix. Everyone came by because my brother knew these guys. It was Big Youth's headquarters. And so also a lot of intellectuals. We, we sold books as well. So a lot of intellectuals would come by. We engaged in conversation, nationalism, religion, communism, name it. We, 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 we held our own. And nice. we used to prepare. Yeah, so people came from Philadelphia, all around the tri-state area. Mm. And so we did that, and it was real fun. Uh, the turning point came when some friends from radio station, because I would collect rare stuff for them, you know, that some radio DJs don't want to play the everyday stuff. Mm. And so I helped one particular DJ, and he invited me to his radio show. And he wanted, um, it was broker radio. You broke, you buy time from the radio station and then uh. you sell commercial. And so I went on with him one day and I said, man, I, I'm not ready for this. He knew I love radio. I would tell him every week. And so I decided that I have to go to school. So I went to a school in Manhattan. And the first thing the guy told me is like, oh yeah, you're ready. One of those cool fly by night, you know, <laughs> said, you're ready for radio. I said, how much I be ready? I can hardly read or write. <laughs> That now he's lying. So I took the test and I passed the test. But I remember a friend of mine from California asked me one day, I met her in New York. I was leading a demonstration of <laughs> um, in Chinatown. Yeah, I was in construction group. And, and she said to me, what do you want to do with your life? And I was shocked. Nobody had ever asked me that. Mm. I said, I want to get a degree from my parents, my grandparents, four parents, mm. all the way back from Africa, who didn't get the opportunity to go to school. And two, I want to be on the radio. She said, California, Los Angeles is the right place. We became good friends. <laughs> so after I had a record store and I really got tired and 
especially that event when the guy invited me to the radio station. I didn't know what to say. I didn't, you know, I wasn't prepared. Yeah. You know, read the back of the album and, you know, say stuff. And then, you know, ask me to say, so what am I going to say? <laughs> so that's when I said, California, here I come. I'm going to go to school and, you know, do it proper. Whatever proper is, right? Yeah. I get a degree in broadcasting and get on the radio. So here I am. That's what brought, that's you. What brought me here. Yes, still here. And, mm-hmm. and Shakespeare's second question is, how did you learn Spanish? I haven't learned Spanish, but I have a secretary who does a translation. Oh, that's what I thought. Eternally wonderful secretary. Amazing. Multilingual, yeah. Uh, One of a kind on planet Earth. (laughs) Because I see you post like full blown in Spanish. And I was like, when he he asked me, when he asked me that, I was like, oh, oh yeah, he does, right? He does. (laughs) 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 You know, I've been to Mexico nine times, so he probably has a right to ask. (laughs) Yeah, I have a secretary who does the translation in multiple languages. Man. Oh, amazing. And, okay. And that came about out of necessity. I, I was doing a show. I'm, I'm not even sure who is watching, but I, I was doing a show at uh, Las Globas. And I had the Clarendonians on. Ticket sales were well, ticket sales horrible. So I added Pat Kelly to the uh, list. And I asked a friend of mine, you know, to translate because mm-hmm. the vast majority of people are attending the, the concert are Latinx. Is that the word? Latinx. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So I said, you know, okay, you translate for me. I'm still waiting for a very good friend. Hope he's not seeing this. <laughs> still waiting. <laughs> and so never happened. So a friend in Mexico um, did the translation and showed me how to do the translation. I used to, he was heavily into obscure Jamaican music. So I would translate the songs that were done in Patois for Ah. him. And then he did my flyers in the early stages and showed me how to. Staying competitive in these dynamic times means having the right technology at work for your small or medium-sized business. Whether your goal is to grow, downsize, or modernize, Panoply BPO provides the right combination of tools, support, and affordability necessary to make it a reality. Visit panoplybpo.com. That's P-A-N-O-P-L-Y-B-P-O.com to schedule your no-obligation consultation today. Mention WTYM and get your 13th month of service for free. Panoplybpo.com. There is a better way. Oh, so that's okay. So that's how it all started. That's so, how it all started. So let's go to the next couple of questions. They're from uh, someone that we both know as well. Danny Holloway, who's also another DJ selector. Yeah, um, big respect to them. Mm-hmm. Both of them, Shakespeare and yeah, Danny. Shakespeare, I know Danny. Yep, and and Danny. Um, so Danny, he, Danny was amazing. He, I was like, I'm gonna be talking to um to Junior. Do you have any questions or comments? He sent me like a book, and so I had to like dwindle him down to a couple of essentials that someone else didn't ask, but like he had a grip of them. But it was great. So one of the questions is um one of the best questions is. Name three best Jamaican women vocalists of all time. Mm-hmm. It would be probably the I-3s. 
mm. with Marcy on top. And I'll put Judy uh, somewhere in the middle. Okay. And then um, I, I think um, Rita, because she's more established than any other female artist right now. But in that particular order, I think Marcia takes second place to none right now. Okay. And if you look at the, the body of her work, the wealth of her work, she has a song, I Shall Sing. And I guess, you know, I shall sing. She's not ready to retire and, you know, like a racehorse. No, she's still making still music. Still going strong. Yeah, man, still going strong. She has a new album. Uh, it's, yeah, it's across the way there. Mm-hmm. How, and how, around, how old do we think she is right now? So she's about, um, I think, 49. She was born in 1949. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she, you know, it's hard to tell when Jamaicans are born, because they don't. <laughs> The jeans, the right guys, age of people, don't <laughs> guys have great jeans. Um, another yeah, question is: Please describe nice. one of the best Jamaican parties you've ever been to. Wow, that would have been in New York, New York, when culture was untouchable. And mm. uh, I remember a DJ played like five culture. There was Conscious Roots Rock, Two Seven mm-hmm. Splash, Zion Gate. Um, yeah, that probably New York, those basement parties after you work five days. <laughs> and your only outlet. That means if you miss a Saturday night party, your week is ruined. <laughs> I mean, completely ruined. You'd never understand. Got to find a party on Saturday night. <laughs> And it, it, it's, is it those uh, basement parties that like, you're just like sweating? Yes. And you come out and, and you're sick Sunday. Every Sunday morning, I would be sick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally sick. I would be hoarse. <laughs> Amazing. But you live and, you, yeah, you live and die for those parties. That's your only outlet. I bet they're amazing. Yeah. It, it's going to be those basement parties in, um, in Brooklyn. But I've seen some good parties in Mexico too. Uh, some good parties in, and here in LA, but. Mexico, I mean, people go fanatic. I played, uh, I did a six-pack of Prince Buster. Because I played in Mexico, Mexico City a couple of times and I failed. And I studied like a scientist. How am I going to redeem myself? <laughs> so the third time around, I said, you know what? I remember I saw a guy played, was playing and was honoring Prince Buster. He's playing like three Prince Buster. Everybody was on the floor. I said, I'm going with six. Prince Bust. And I didn't have to do anything else that night. <laughs> Amazing. Legendary. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I, had, I even had my notebook. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't need to dance. I need to listen and watch the selector. Tommy from, Tommy Far, Far East. He's known worldwide. Wow. But he had a oh, tribute to Prince Buster. Three and everyone. And oh, I went six Prince Buster. Yeah. You took notes. Oh, of course, all my not mental <laughs> note my notepad, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, came and back, I, 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 yeah, then I went back. I think the following year now, and killed it. Yes. So, and another question he has um, is: Did he? Did you ever attend any Jamaican recording sessions when you were uh, back in Jamaica? No, you you can't even go in the records. I, I mean, I used to pass by. You know, Duke Reed was uh, my favorite studio. I have to stay far. He had two guns. Not yeah. a bunch of guys outside who are looking for opportunity. You can't. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. 
You no, can't you just can't. like stroll up. You just had to really no. and, know and I didn't someone. have money. To, I, I didn't have money to buy a record. We didn't have a record player, so you can you yeah. can go stand up in the shop. I remember I used to pass by Maypen GG Records, and I wanted to see Maytones because you know, um, Clarendon and Manchester we up in the hills, and then the next major city is Maypen. Mm. And I remember I would stop in Maypen looking to see because I wanted to see what these musicians look like. And I stop in Maypen, walk around and look. But of course, I probably saw Maytones and didn't know it was him. He told me he used to, <laughs> he used to, he used to, he used to sell records in the store. No, but I didn't. <laughs> didn't. But in New York now, I went to a recording session mm. because my brother did some um, producing. I went with him once. Because I'm always in the store, so I didn't get to go very many times. But I also produced a Heptones Oh, record. yes. Yeah, I produced a Heptones. So they, you know, Heptones um, used to use the store as their headquarters as well. So they're, ah. you know, encouraging me to, you know, become a producer. But I never liked producing for the simple fact that people are always criticizing producer you know then yeah. yeah i remember that people used to ask me to all england you know the record companies shall remain nameless <laughs> you know call this guy in england ask him about my royalty check you know call this person you know tell them you're a lawyer francis from new york yeah fallen deaf ears so i never liked producing but heptones said you know let's try something so i wrote a poem they turned it into music Amazing. And even now, I think I have some unreleased materials that Heptones produce. Because one of the guys have kid with my sister, so I got to know them well. Ah. He gave me some song. He said, you just, all you have to do, make the stamp, put them out and press them. No one can come to you to ask you for a royalty check because I'm the producer. I still didn't, still didn't <laughs> put them out. Yeah. I've, yeah. So that's, Any plans? I, I, no, it's even worse now. Mm. records not selling you know baby mama calling grandmother calling kids calling yeah i wasn't ready to deal with that got it yeah my brother did that the next question is there's been a new generation of reggae artists who are mostly white not from the Mm. birthplace of reggae music and they have Mm. been enormously successful how do you feel about the current state of acts like Revolution, Dirty Heads, Iranian, <clears throat> and Soldier? If I'm saying that correctly, do you think mm-hmm. Jamaican artists are losing out in ways that these groups are not? Why do you think reggae artists in Jamaica do not make the same amount of money like American acts who take <clears throat> up the music and sell millions? This is from a mutual friend, good friend. <clears throat> Episode mm-hmm. 33 guest, Karen Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Well, you, we have to learn how to see things in connection and not in isolation. Okay. So the first R&B record in the United Kingdom BBC library was a rock and roll song by Fats Domino. When he was asked, well, what kind of music is this? He said, there's not a name. And then a couple of years after, you know, we see Elvis Presley came and he was the king of rock and roll. He got a name now and uh, got a face to it. Yeah. And I don't think there's any difference between what happened back then with African-American singers and reggae singers. Yeah. But there's a certain deliberateness on the part of the California and I guess American 
um, concert promoters to really promote the white artists over the black artists. Mm-hmm. I think it's deliberate. Same thing that happened is same thing that happened to black music. Yeah. So if you understand that, you don't even ask the question. God. But again, right. But I, I welcome the mutual friends question. But it's it's basically the same thing. What happened to black thing. music, right? Which all when, what all happens to them happened to every genre right. of black music. Right. When yeah. Sam Cooke met with Martin Luther King and said, you know, he's going to finance the music, finance sorry the movement, because he he had I think he had rights to his music. You know, he disappeared when Otis Redding uh, had rights to his music, his playing crash. And maybe these things are, yeah, maybe they're really like genuine accident. Bob Marley, you know, was going to control mm-hmm. his music in Caribbean. So now we see all these groups from California, and some of them are good. They're, they're genuine. Sing a lot of beach record, reggae, reggae, you know. Yeah. And we can't expect these guys to sing about equality and justice because that's not their experience. Mm. We can't expect them to uh, sing about police brutality because they're not being brutalized by police. Yeah. We also can't expect their lawyers and their family and friends who are negotiating big contracts for them to negotiate for the indigenous um, reggae artists. Yeah. So I'm I'm surprised that the level that um, these groups have attained in such a short time. Yeah. But I remember a mutual friend who um, told me when Revolution first played at um, a festival that shall remain nameless. Mm. <laughs> I said, "Yo, yeah, it's, it's next going to be the next big thing." And sure enough, you know, ten years after they had the next big thing. The next big thing. Yeah, the next big thing. But I, I wish them well, you know, because, you know, Jamaican musicians borrowed extensively from Cuba and America. So I guess people uh, can't say this is my music because mm-hmm. it started in Jamaica. And artists like Bob Marley and Peter Tash, they wanted to see the music go global, especially Marley. That was his mission. But I'm not sure if he wanted to see, you know. <laughs> non, non reggae, non uh, Jamaican acts. Have um, to play secondary role yeah, to California it, reggae bands. To they mm-hmm. created, yeah, the yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm quite sure Otis Redding and Sam Cooke didn't know that they would have to play a secondary role and sometimes no role, you know, behind Elvis Presley. And the Beatles and, the, and the uh mm-hmm. the Stones and the Beatles or something like that recorded some of his music, some of their music right. and made it big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they had the rights. But, they, but but here's here's the thing though, they one distinctive difference between the American artists and the UK artists is that they acknowledge and embrace and mm. appreciate mm. the um, black music. Whereas in America, you know, we kill the Native Americans, we take the land, we don't acknowledge them, we brought the slaves in, we brought people in and turned them into slaves. So we have had a long and extensive history of not acknowledging indigenous. Yes. So it wasn't hard for Elvis Presley to deny or not recognize that he, you know, is born extensively from yeah. African American, the white artists, because that's his, that's the history of this country. Definitely, you know, it's called Euro Euro Eurocentric thinking. Yeah, yeah. conquer, conquer and keep, conquer and keep, <laughs> colonize and uh, conquer keep it and moving. Keep, yes, yeah. <laughs> from coast to coast and kill everything, human beings, whatever is in sight. You conquer yeah. and culture, take. the, the whole shebang. Yeah. You can't, can you take? It's yeah. no yours. 
So again, Elvis Presley, punk rock artist. Wow, are you kidding in this lifetime? Yeah, maybe he did. And I guess we have heard. Many of those artists back then, though, didn't thank and appreciate black artists who they no. learned and borrowed from. But, Not at all. Um, Rolling Stone, yeah, yeah, they do. And especially the Beatles. They acknowledge African-American for their yeah. contribution. True. And what they Very have borrowed true. from them. Mm-hmm. Very true. Okay, mm-hmm. the, the next question is, love to know why he believes more Jamaicans Jamaican music fans haven't really and still aren't really helping to preserve and promote old school genres of ska and rock steady like you have since the 80s. And this is from episode three, Word to Your Mama guest, Eric Cohen, mm-hmm. EC, as you call him. Right. I mean, um, EK, sorry. <laughs> yes. Jamaicans want the newest thing. Even Bob Marley was asked about ska. He said, you know, that's in the past. I'm going forward. Oh. Right. So we, we leave behind. We don't preserve. But I, I guess I'm the exception to that rule. And I'm not sure why I have over the years. Well, when I started out, when I said I wanted to come, to, when I come to America, or if I went to Canada, that I would be on the radio. That was the music that I wanted Americans and Canadians and the world to hear the music. Mm. So that's where all that started. I, I think that's the genesis of yes. that thinking that I must, they must hear scatalyzed because I honestly and sincerely think that the Jamaican artists who are singing in the 60s were just as, and playing, were just as good as American artists because, you know, in Jamaica, there's a thinking that all oh, the artists are not as good as American music because the radio stations used to play um, primarily foreign music. Mm-hmm. So he who pays the piper called the shots. So the American, uh, what you call them now, uh, I guess the, not the producers, but the people who work, the agents, you know, mm. play the radio DJ and radio station to play American music. So the justification had to be that Jamaican music wasn't as good. Mm. But I remember one day I was listening to, and this is what solicits, solicited my view when um, I, I heard Alton Ellis, and I said, this guy's just as good as Sam Cooke, just as good as Otis. And Jeff Brown wasn't considered a great singer. And those are my favorite, you know, Otis Sam. Yeah. I said, Alton Ellis is up there. I'm going to prove to America that these guys are just as good. I want to prove to them that Scatterlights are just as good. Because I'd read early, early, where uh, I think an English author had said that Dan Germany was one of the greatest trombone players in the world, among the four greatest trombone players. Mm. So that guy's in Jamaica. So this music is just as good, you know, because I, I had the opportunity to, to listen to music perhaps more so than a lot of people since I was, I'm always working out with my transistor. Yeah. I'm saying, man, these guys are really good. And I convinced myself, I mean, I don't brainwashing. No one else did. I brainwashed <laughs> myself. <laughs> <That brainwashed. laughs> and I guess Jamaica was uh, the point of um, gaining independence. So that's, uh, I guess, nationalism. We're starting yourself as a nation now. Because we were, I guess, brought up to think that we were British. Mm, yeah. You know, you're a British subject, so you're British, right? England is your mother country. So now you're going to become free. You need your own music. So I guess some of that rub off. Yeah. 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 Jamaican music is just as good as. So I'm going to prove to people wherever I go that this right. music is good. Yeah. My, uh, went to London. I got a whole bunch of stuff from my dad. Say, so yeah, hi. Um, when I'm on the radio, I'm going to play this because the radio stations in New York were playing scare. And he who paid the piper called the shots. 
people were advertising. They didn't want to hear ska. They want to hear new music. So I say, all right, when I get on my radio show, <laughs> preserve yeah. these cars and rock stadium, people are going to hear them. <laughs> so that's how and that thing came about. since the 80s, you've just been doing that exact same thing. It's amazing. It, it is amazing to, to witness, to hear about that you've known since, you know, since you were five or six with the transition transition radio and yeah. um, you knew but, you knew what but you what, know but then you to... become a prisoner to those ideas they want <laughs> they want do you, do you, <laughs> like we'll we'll get before you leave i want you to tell everyone about your radio show and about history of scala but do you in your leisure time do you listen to other genres of music <clears throat> Uh, yeah, because I have, no, it's a, well, let me do it in two parts. When okay. I was in New York, where everyone is collecting everything. Yes. Especially soul. Soul music was big on practically all the Jamaicans who could afford to buy records. I could dream about buying these records in New in where we were in Jamaica, but we didn't have money. So you came to New York and started looking for them. So I did that too. But when I came here, I became friends with a professor who, um, Masalela is from South Africa. Mm. He was a member of the ANC and was forced into exile. So we became very good friends. He's an intellectual giant. giant. And so his thinking is that uh, he loved jazz and there was never any need to listen to anything else. Meanwhile, I was listening to reggae and South African music and African music and so on. He said, no, he stays with soul, with jazz, and he's totally and completely satisfied. <laughs> and I guess <laughs> he refused to listen to Bob Marley. He had lived in Germany. He went to Germany to live to see what communism was like. And then he came back here and started mm. lecturing a university at the Claremont Colleges. And so he said, no, he's seen and heard everything. Bob Marley in Germany, friends used to force him to go which he did to maintain friendship. No, it's jazz. Jazz only. Jazz and jazz only. I have his collection here because he moved to Thailand. Ah. And so I decided reggae, scare rocks that would be my focus. So I stopped listening to everything else. But in Jamaica, man, you get everything, country and Western. I have lots of country and Western here. Dolly Parton was my favorite in New York. I still love her, but I still love her too. I grew up, uh, I grew up on a lot of people don't know. I grew up on country music because, um, the, the man that my mom was with once, since I was, I don't know, seven, six or seven, he was Tex-Mex. So he's from Texas. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the, he, he was trash, but the only one of the positives is that I was exposed to country music at a very early age. So it's part of my musical history. And I, Mm -hmm. the class, you know, I used to watch, um, (laughs) Uh, live from the Grand Ole Opry and Nashville Now and Hee Haw and the Mandrell Sister Show and all that stuff and listen to all the music. And it's just when I hear it from the certain eras, like 80s, 70s, mm-hmm. like 50s yes. to 80s country, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. special, special place in, in, in my soul. So, yeah, country. Yes. Uh, in, in Jamaica, um, they would say that um, it's a sin to play reggae and Ski and rock steady on Sunday. It was mm. country and western. I mean, such hypocrisy, right? Jazz <laughs> and not much jazz on the radio now, and maybe a little bit of soul. So they're looking for softer stuff, but they figure country and western. But every Jamaican had a Jim Reed, Jim Reeve, those who could afford to buy um, 
uh, record player at the time. Mm. That's fascinating. You, I didn't you, know that. So yeah, they play you, country on on Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays. And soft blue. No, no, only Sunday now. Sundays. Only Sundays. Yes. Got it, got it. Right. Got it. Because Sunday is supposedly a holiday when you commit all manner of wickedness during <laughs> the week. And then on Sunday now, you go and give yourself to the Lord and ask him to sanitize you. And then you start committing more crimes <laughs> against humanity on Monday. And then you're recharged and ready to roll. Yes. And then Sunday again, and some on Saturdays too. So they would play, the majority on Sundays would be country and just a little bit soul. So it was never the other way around. It would be country because Mostly Jim country Roots had a lot of gospel, a lot of gospel, oh. gospel country, gospel country, mm, right? Mm, mm. Some Charlie Pride was in there too. Charlie I remember Pride. those, but yeah, a lot of I know, yeah, a lot of every Jamaican back then had a a gym read. and you put it on those turntable and it, you know, you know, automatically play all an hour or two, then you flip it over. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, nothing supposed to be hard music. That's it's it's crazy. So winter country, that's fascinating to me. Um, yes. <clears throat> and so that was like, yeah, that was like definitely way back in the day. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I'm gonna do some research, but I'm just trying to envision the time frame of that and the the artists from that time that they would be playing, like Charlie Pride and all that stuff, the good stuff, the mm-hmm. good stuff. And especially sure. if it had a touch of gospel or mm-hmm. storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. If it's not so secular, then it's fast. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yes. Mm-hmm. Touch of gospel. But okay. reggae, reggae, reggae and Jamaican music didn't fit in. And, you know, according to their thinking. Yeah, not on, not on the holy days. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get into a couple of the not-so-rapid-fire questions, the AKA slow-as-hell questions, before we get into um, History of Skylight and your show. Could you give me three words to describe yourself? Oh, I don't have any description. I'm trying to promote Jamaican music. You know, I left Jamaica and for that mission. And I'm still trying to promote Jamaican music. I, I can't describe myself. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say ageless. <laughs> legendary. You want me to say those things about myself? I, I'm saying I'm about that, you. I'm, I'm, you're ageless. I'm that, that you're Come ageless. On. You're legendary. And you're genuine. Wow. That, that's what I would say about you. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? From my um, grandfather, um, really don't borrow from anyone and don't. Um, mm-hmm especially borrowing, it was really against. So you go through life, don't borrow stuff from people. And try hard not to borrow. And also, there is a musician in Jamaica who I'd love passionately. He took bribe. And that brought him down. As a youngster, I cry. Mm. And so someone, you know, told me, because uh, we were talking about, you know, I go to America and on the radio, and I said, it's one thing you can't afford to. Those two advice. Stay away from taking bribe. You're in a spot. It comes with the territory, but you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some good advice for sure. Yeah. 
one um one question I usually ask, I'm switching it up a little bit for you. Um, and I'm taking it, switching it out with a question that um Black Shakespeare submitted. If he was shipwrecked on a deserted island and there were only three records, what would he choose? I don't know why alternatives just pop up dance crusher. <laughs> and wow, well, no, I that's that's a tough one, eh? I probably wouldn't take any. <laughs> because I really, <laughs> I really want to hear Max Rome, your uptown babies don't cry. They don't know what suffering is like. Mm. Yeah, I, that one I really, you know, having been through hardship myself and seen hardship. And uh, Peter Tash, get up, stand up. That one has been my lifeline. Mm. You know, stand up for your rights. Mm-hmm. So in the days when I was very active, I always drew on that Peter Tash. <laughs> yeah, but it's tough to drop three records. Maybe I would just let them all go. <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, yes, a tough one. But um, equal rights. Get, get up, stand up. Yeah, get stand up for your rights. Uh, Max Rome, your uptown babies don't cry. They don't know what suffering is like. Mm-hmm. And then back to when I heard that Alton Ellis I said, Alton is as good as any singer in the world. Mm. I, I, I used to talk to myself because I grew up with two cousins and they were younger. Yeah. So I couldn't, I can't, they, do, I'm, they were like five years my junior. Mm. I can't tell them about Alton then here, but I said, no, I'm talking to myself, man. I can't <laughs> tell my grandfather. Because after the music evolved into skia, he used to be in quadrille, you know? Uh-huh. I, you know he's, he's done with skia. It just didn't make the transition. So it was just me telling myself, this is the greatest music. It was Hans and Alton and Slim Smith and the techniques. And now this music is great. So, yeah, it's hard to stick with three, but. <laughs> Those are some of the, they would definitely be part of the, the consider, in consideration. Um, the, the last question, what will be your legacy, Junior? Oh, right. Not yet. I haven't started. <laughs> mm. I can't talk about those things, man. You know, I, I can't write home and see how well I'm doing in America. And you look at what Marcus Garvey did. I have legacy. I don't know. But I narrowcasted myself as one who that wanted to make revolution or unite people as Marcus Garvey did. But I said I wanted to bring the music to America, you know, wherever city I'm in you know, let people hear this music from Jamaica. So I think I did that. My mission was very narrow. Uh, my dream, I guess, very narrow dream. This is what I wanted to do. It was a massive dream to own a television station or to start an organization or start a church. It was very narrow. Let people hear this music. If I get on television, that would be good, but on radio. On radio, you did it. You're doing it. And so that's great transition into let people know where they can hear your show, what days, what times, and where on the internet if there's a way to listen to to previous shows. Mm -hmm. So um, previous shows may be a bit difficult, but like this evening, Monday evening. Um, six to eight on KSPC. I've been doing that one now since the 
winter of 87. Wow. Into 88, right? I went there in December. So that's, it's, and it's been there since 87. I, I ushered in the new millennium at, uh, that's KSPC 887FM online, ksbc.org. I ushered in the new millennium at KXLU, another mm. small station, and yeah. the dial displays 88.9 FM <clears throat> online. It's kxlu.com. Saturday nights from 8 until 11. I've been doing that one again just before the startup because I remember the night when the new millennium and they had to, they said the world was going to come to an end. I was at the station by myself. <laughs> Talk about, you think the, pan, the pandemic, uh, you know, lockdown is frightening, just me alone. I said everything wasn't going to go off. But it wouldn't affect the radio station because the radio station wasn't plugged into the world. Uh. And uh, so midnight, yeah, was very frightening. So I've been there since that. And then more recently, I started doing uh, a reggae mix show on radiojustice.org that's broadcast also on Saturday nights from 11 p.m. until 1 a.m. And it's rebroadcast a couple of times. And then I'm with Cola, I'm doing. History of Eleskia. Yes. And it's on multiple platforms. You know, we started out on Instagram and we have uh, grown to Facebook. We're on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We are on YouTube, multiple platforms. Uh, yes. Cola, he's, um, he took a page from your book. <laughs> uh, perhaps you gave him some guidance. You guys are best friends before I knew him. Yeah, so those are the places. So the History of Alaska is pretty good. Yes, it is. Interview local and international artists. The mailman is here. What a time it goes for me. Okay. <laughs> and while he's going to get his mail, I want to make sure that you guys know that I'll have all the things that he um, talked about, all his shows, um, History of Sky LA. I'll have all of that yeah. uh, notes in the show notes. So you won't Mm -hmm. miss anything. So you'll be able to just click on it and go to all the places. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was just going on to the, I was just on the YouTube, History of Scott LA, your YouTube channel. And um, I didn't didn't get to finish it, but there is a a great video that you had, I forget his name, talk about the Havana and Kingston connection. And he plays the different little snippets of a bunch of different artists, like Scatolites and different stuff like that. Yeah, Roger Rivers. That was very yes. good. Yes, yeah. Yes, stuff like, right. yeah. Very, right, he's very good. Yeah. Yeah. He's extremely brilliant musician on many levels. He's just a genius. Yeah, so that I saw so that not, video. I think, he's Jeffelis, yeah. I think he, yeah, he did that recording for, um, I'm not sure what it was for, I guess. But something EK is doing, Eric Cola is doing. Yeah, and you guys have it on your on the History of Scott page. But you guys were doing, like you were started to say, mm-hmm. you started doing um, great interviews on Instagram Live, and then now you've expanded mm-hmm. so that now you now you can at any time go to their YouTube yes. st- uh, channel right. and check out some videos mm-hmm. of your interviews. Right. There's a great intro one that you and Kohler do, and you guys are super sweet to each other, introducing each other and how great you guys are and being super modest. I'm going to look at that being all cute and modest. Um, and, and you're holding up covers of Reggae Nucleus. 
such an amazing mm-hmm. time, amazing magazine. You know, man, I cried when it died. That's oh, what you said. That's sad. what you said in the video. I mean, it was the mm-hmm. end of an era. No, I, it was yeah. like. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I remember when he asked me, you know, Bunny Way, I was playing at the Long Beach Arena. And he asked me to do the um, featured article. Said, Mom, if my grandmother was here too, and my grandfather <laughs> Wow, my gosh. Yeah, that's, those were I'm, good I'm times. asking, why is he asking me? Because all these other people are writing. Why is he asking? <laughs> I couldn't, I, I, but you know, I didn't ask him. You know, I just, <laughs> you just did it. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, just, <laughs> why is he asking me? It was, it was a good yeah, run. It was a very up. good run. And if you were, <laughs> Anywhere close yeah. to LA County, you and you're into mm-hmm. reggae music, you knew you know mm-hmm. of Reggae Nucleus magazine for sure. Reggae There's no Nucleus, way that you didn't know about it. A wonderful, yeah, a great service to the community, Eric and Irena. But in and you know, Eric, he uh, gave it his everything, gave it his all. But he's that kind of person, you know, who devotes his entire life to whatever he's doing devoted dedicated yes. you know i've never met anyone at his age at the age that i've met him so disciplined certainly not in new york i've never met anyone as disciplined as he this is true yeah not in jamaica we don't we don't practice discipline we don't even know what that is <laughs> <laughs> jamaica we're rude boys we're too young but i'm but he was very disciplined and had a vision mm. and our vision coincided yeah yeah, because I wanted to start a magazine desperately. I wasn't at that level yet. And so, you know, he invited me to, you know, do art um, review albums. Back then it was albums and CDs. And also invited me one day to go with him to make distribution in uh, Santa Barbara. Mm. So that those hours we spent together. So then after that, every week he would call, you know, either for article uh or to go distribute magazine so we traveled extensively over the southland yeah eric cole is a good a good guy like i said if you want to listen to his interview uh episode two or three i believe and i think the Mm -hmm. name of the of his episode is one of the nicest guys in the music industry because he's 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 very disciplined he's focused but he's also very kind of calm and i've i've known him since the 90s because we went to college together and i have maybe once not even he wasn't even that like i've never seen him lose it i've never seen him yes you know he's never lost it on any there's so many times that he he should have lost it on somebody but Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. he's so Mm -hmm. he has this this gift of this calmness of the steadiness about him. Yes. I guess that's what it is. Right. He really helped me a lot to grow and develop over the years. There were times when I lost it, uh, you know, because of things that people done to he and I, but you know, a a couple of people in LA, I said, I would never work it because they did both of us wrong. Mm. We still continue working with them. (laughs) I I know Jamaicans, we don't forget. (laughs) Even though we, you know, we do people wrong, we forget. But when somebody does wrong, you never you don't forget. And I said, which is which is part of the hypocrisy of how we all are as human beings. But he, yeah, he continued to work. One mm-hmm. guy wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. Eric's the work. With him. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good well, guy. I, I don't but know, but I, you know, yeah. 
And if it wasn't for Kohler, if it wasn't for Kohler, then I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have met you and I wouldn't have been exposed to, you know, what mm-hmm. you do and what you, um, what you bring musically. You know, I feel like I always say, and I say it almost every episode that music saved my life. And mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the things that a lot of us on here, we've met through music, through the music industry, but I think we be, we've become family, become good friends because we love the music so much. And mm-hmm. it, I always, it just feeds my soul. Like I, 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 mm-hmm. I know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for music growing up in the, like you said, like it yeah, was like well, your lifeline. It was like. Right. I, a, a surrogate mother, I call it. Yes. Yes. Surrogate. But as you on the subject of cola, I yes. uh, is one of the few persons who I've met who is always thinking about my career. Oh yeah. Not just his, but how can he help me along without me asking? Yeah. So one day he met someone from Hot 92 and they were talking about radio, uh, you know, so, uh, having someone on the air. He could so they wanted a reggae show. Mm. He could say, yeah, me, I'm the guy, you know, because he had radio experience. He said, I know the perfect person. Uh, Quality. Person, uh, yeah. He could say, you know, me, I'm up yeah. for the task. But that's not I'm his up way. I'm up for the task. I am. Right, right. That's not his way. That is not his way. He's good. Not his way. He said, yeah, I have the right person. <laughs> <laughs> the sentence did not leave. The sentence did not leave Eileen's mouth before he said, I have the right person. <laughs> Always looking out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Always he, looking and out. He, he could have sold himself because it was a Friday night. It was a Friday night. We were on Friday nights from 11 till 1. So, you know, he, he was free on Friday nights. Yeah. Yeah, he could. He said, no, I have the perfect person in mind. <laughs> yeah, good people. Very good people. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they're, they, they come one in a million. You know, yes. it's like finding them is like finding a needle in a haystack. Oh, yes. good luck with your search. Yeah, and when you find that person, that person enters your life, right. you, you, you hold on to dear life. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and you, yes. you, don't, um, you don't, you know, mess around. Mm-hmm. Right, Junior. and we have to also practice um, giving credit where credit is due. For sure. People. Yes. For mm-hmm. sure. Don't wait until they're dead, you send them no. flowers. <laughs> no, yes. And acknowledge them when they are still in the flesh. Exactly. That's that. I just talked about that in the last episode. You know, I think especially because of the pandemic and some certain things that I'm going through, it made me realize who I have currently in present day that I respect and I love and support me. Mm -hmm. And you want to give them, you want to let them know now (laughs) while you can. Yes. Mm -hmm. Face to face, Mm -hmm. you know, on the phone, Mm -hmm. Zoom it, email it, text it, Mm -hmm. just reminders. Like, mm-hmm. listen, I respect you, you know, thank mm-hmm. you. Just a little bit. It doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. monologue of stuff. It could just be like, mm-hmm. listen, thank you. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. And- Good friends, Marvin, my roommates, Kat, uh, Leonie, uh, and Tungela. You know, people been in my life already. They, you know, helped me along the way. I didn't yes. just get here because I'm me, you know, my friend. Nobody does a solo. Yeah, my friend, you know, who said, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And you said Come no one California. had asked you. No one had asked you. And she made you think about it and told you where right. to go. 
because yeah, right. Because I knew what I wanted to do, but how to get there? Yeah. Yes, she That's provided. Uh, yes, she provided accommodation. Fantastic, mm-hmm. and and thanks yes. to her because if it wasn't for her as well, and you wouldn't have take, right. taken that advice, and she didn't give mm-hmm. you a place to stay, we wouldn't have you. Right. And and mm-hmm. you're a blessing, Junior. Thank you so much for being here with me today, but also just for everything that you do. You're purist. You're genuine. And um, I think so many people, if they aren't already listening to you, like I said, I'm going to have all your links, every single one of your links to all your shows and all the things that you do on the show notes so people can feel mm-hmm. the vibe and share, you can share your music with them. And it, it's just going to add, it's going to add to their lives. So thank yes. you so much, Junior. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for your time and your interest as well, because there's so many people you could have called on. I don't know why you picked me. I mean, because you're a legend, nevertheless. living legend, living legend. And like you said, I want to give people their flowers and I want to give more people to know about you, Junior, more about more people to know about your history. We could have really talked for three more hours to get every little nook and cranny. I'll have you on again, but I wanted to get the gist of it. I wanted uh, people to understand a little bit of your history, how you got here what you're doing, what your mission is, and um, how you've been doing it for such a long time. So thank you. Yeah, in great joy, I want to say thanks to Ritzy. Thanks for your time. Thank thanks you. for the opportunity. Peace out. Have your kids been in a house playing video games in your space way too long? Now you can get them outdoors and still be social while social distancing at the skate side after school and group skateboarding classes. Skate students get to improve their skating and decompress after a long day or week of school. This program is awesome for beginners to get started or advanced skaters to take their skills to the next level. Go to theskateside.com and learn about our COVID-safe programs in Santa Monica, Culver City, Glendale, and South Pasadena. That's T-H-E-S-K-A-T-E-S-I-D-E dot com. The Skate Side. More kids skating. And now, introducing the Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. Yo, what's up, guys? It's me, SMB16. And today, for my SMB Corner, we're going to go from the USA, or where I live in, which I'm just going to say California, because a lot of people I know live in California. Let's go from California all the way to Jamaica. Oh, yeah. Now, a lot of my favorite songs and a lot of my parents' favorite songs, P.S. My mom's right, like, behind me, and she's listening in on this, so... Hi, Mom. Hey, my cuteness. <laughs> so, um, you know, we listen to a lot of Jamaican music, and it it sounds really good, actually. It really sounds good. And my dad, um, every time he, you know, he puts me to bed, because I'm still too young to put myself to bed. You're not too young. They don't trust me. <laughs> they do not trust me. I 
They do not trust me with it on my privacy. Um, my dad sings a special song called Redemption Song. And who is it by? Oh, you know who it is by if you're a big fan of them. His name is Bob Marley. And he is Jamaican. Yeah, so um, I guess one of the songs that I hear a lot of times is Jamaican. Wow. Like, I didn't really realize this until a long, long time ago. I mean, not a long, long time ago. Very recently. Like, very, very recently. Like, maybe last year, the year before that. But anyway, Jamaica, if you're listening to this, people in Jamaica, you guys rock. Yeah, seriously, you guys rock. The music is awesome there. It must be awesome there. I'm also trying to learn about, you know, Jamaican foods and all that stuff. You know, just have a little bigger perspective on it, you know? Yeah, so um, a couple of thoughts about Jamaica. Yeah. Bye, guys. This has been the SMB. She'll be due. Yeah. Boom, there it is. Episode 34, Junior Francis, Living Legend. Amazing story. I'm just happy that I know him. I'm happy that he's here for everybody, that he is continuously fulfilling his destiny of promoting Jamaican music. So please make sure to follow him all social media platforms, wherever all his radio shows are at, spread the word. I mean, you know, we're very fortunate to have him. And then, you know, the Supernatural Bear, for sure, has been listening to all genres of music, but you know there had to be, you know, different types of Jamaican music that he's been listening to since in utero. I mean, it's 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 just a given. So I want to say thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any questions, any um, suggestions, anything that you might want to know, please make sure to reach out via either DMs or if you want to email at hola at wordtoyourmama.com. You could also visit wordtoyourmama.com to see more photos, more show notes for all the different guests and uh yeah thank you for listening and let's see this is dropping in june we have i believe one more episode before we're gonna take a small little break but don't fret or frown because we're definitely going to be releasing some some things maybe previous episodes to to get you um, exposed to the ones that we started off with back in September and also a special episode to re um, drop is the one about the summer soul movie that is premiering July 5th I believe the documentary that is quest loves directorial debut that my guest uh, Joseph Patel, a.k.a. Jazzbo, a.k.a. Jazzbeezy, is a producer on. It won awards already at Sundance. And I I told him, I was like, get, get that, uh, you know, get those outfits ready, uh, those suits ready, because I feel like next award season, you're going to be doing heavy rounds. So look forward to that. So like I said, we have one more episode, and then we're going to be taking a little break, but there'll still be stuff coming out. 
So as always, we reap. Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritz P. The intro is produced by Nico Beats. If you want to get a hold of us and see other things, all there is to know, go to wordtoyourmama.com. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritzyperiwinkle.com and panablybpo.com.